Hello and welcome once again to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. My name is Matthew Dalitz. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of the Science of Psychotherapy. And as always, I'm here with my good friend, Richard Hill. Yeah. Hi, Matt. Managing Editor uh, at your service and uh, loving it. We've got another great magazine coming out. So uh, I hope all our members uh, jump in on that. There's so much interesting stuff happening. But of course, what's happening, which we're excited about, is the Holistic Recovery Summit. And we've been really fortunate to be able to grab some of the speakers uh, from the conference. And and I'm always excited because that's a that's a genetic problem I've got, but it is. It's in my genes, and we're going it to is. talk something. Who talks about this psychobiology, the genes? Uh, but Ernie would love to hear this woman. Tell me a bit about it. Absolutely, yeah. So we're going across to Florida, and we're going to talk to Dr. Evelyn Higgins, who's a recognised international expert in the epidemiology of substance use disorders, process addictions, and mental health conditions, and she knows an awful lot about epigenetics and all of that fun stuff that Richard loves so much as well. <laughs> so we're going to have a, a, a quite a time talking to her today. Yeah, and I think it's going to be fabulous. We'll, we'll try and get some uh, uh, extra information, but uh, and also some some insights into what she's going to do at the at the holistic recovery uh, conference. And so let's just hear a little bit. Uh, we've got a few words here about the the holistic recovery summit. If you're interested in deepening your understanding of addiction and how best to treat it, you might want to check out the holistic recovery summit. This is a free online conference which brings together 35 world-leading clinical psychologists, researchers, and practitioners. We will share with you their best practices for mind, body, social, and spiritual approaches to addiction treatment, enabling you to be at the forefront of evidence-based care. With a lineup including Stephen Porges, Janina Fisher, Ian McGilchrist, Pat Ogden, Anna Lemke, Stephen Hayes, Richard Schwartz, and 28 others, this really is a once in a lifetime learning opportunity. The best bit is it's 100% free to attend live and you can do so from the comfort of home. You'll also be able to upgrade to your recordings and certification pass after registration, although this is entirely optional. For more information, please check out the sign up link in the description. Dr. Higgins, welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy. Uh, it's so great to meet you. Thank you so much, Matt. Yes, and Richard here. I'm very excited to talk to you today. I've uh, waxed a bit lyrical in the introduction because uh, you're talking a lot of the language that that I love and that Matt loves and that Absolutely. we've been trying to put in our books and our work is is that we we need to know about the emotions, we need to know about the brain, and we need to know these within a context of something much greater of which we have a lot of knowledge. And you're the sort of person who shares. I've left it a bit. Uh, a little bit abstract there, because I just want you to tell tell us, what is it that you're in? How did you get into this involvement with the, the, the physiology and the psychobiology sure. of, of human beings? Well, thank you, Richard. I appreciate that. Um, so how did I get involved? Some 35 years ago, I was practicing in the pain management area and seeing people do the, the really how everything was done was try this, try that approach and see if they get better. And if they don't, half it, double it, come back in 90 days, you know the drill. And, and we're seeing people become somewhat dependent at that time. And that was in um, a country setting. 20 years after that, I'm in an urban area, but I'm still seeing the same thing. Try this, try that approach. And seeing people get more to the addicted part of things than the dependent part. 
personally, um, I was also involved in that. I married an alcoholic, a man actually with several addictions. So I, some 35 years ago, started in the area of addiction and that just evolved and evolved and evolved to where when science expanded and technology advanced, I started incorporating that into the work that I do. Yeah, so this this uh, fascinating thing that that uh, Matt and I found as well. Now, interestingly, not a lot of people uh, get excited by the additional knowledge. So some get a bit worried about it. So it does take some uh, sort of explanation, some kind of bringing it back to the to the humanity. Uh, yeah. And you've got a number of programs. I mean, one that that I love, uh, and uh, Wired for Addiction. Uh, yeah. is just the way you you talk about it to help people understand uh, what's going on. And at the at the Holistic Recovery Summit, uh, you've actually got written there. I'll be talking about epigenetics as one of the as one of the aspects. Perhaps we could just have a look at that avenue. But of course, whatever other things that that you need to uh, uh, apply to it as well as we go along. Sure. What are no, we talking about perfect. there in the wiring? Yeah, sure. So, you know, technology is advanced. So to me, it was we needed to bring this into this area of mental health, into addiction, and start using technology to advance where we're at. You know, it, it, people talk about, well, you've got a predisposition for cancer. There's heart disease in your family. There's a predisposition for you. Well, we should have that same knowledge in the area of mental health, in the area of addiction, and, and start having these open conversations like I'm having with you in that same way. So that was our, you know, then the, the whole fascination with epigenetics, which to me is the most incredible part of science that we're, we're talking about today, right? Because it gives us so much knowledge. And for people that initially may get scared of like, gosh, but do I want to know this? The answer is yes because you can change it. That's the most important part of this, right? We're all born with our DNA. Here's your cards, play them out. But with now the research that's been done in epigenetics and understanding how it works, we know that it can change the expression of our DNA. And that's what's critical to understanding. That's where the power lies. Yeah, and that's, I think that is definitely what people have um, not understood. Uh, they think, well, I've been dealt these genetic cards and then, you know, I'm I'm fixed. That's that's kind of like my trajectory. Um, cool. And and just as, and, and it's uh, sort of parallel to what we've been learning about the plasticity, you know, of um, the central nervous system. Um, right. You know, it, it's, it's along the same line. So it is quite a revelation that we all need to be, you know, very interested in and learn about from people like yourself. Right. And oftentimes when we go over someone's biomarkers, there's tears, they're tears of joy, because for the first time they see the clinical correlation from the science aspect, and they've been feeling that inside of themselves their entire life. Now we put words to it and say, this is the correlation to what's happening with you. That is empowering because then it's okay. We've defined this. This is real. It's not in my head and we can do something about it. Yeah, and I think this is what is what makes um, uh, the importance of understanding how it works so, so vital, because the epigenetic changes um, uh, sometimes the neurobiological changes can happen quite quickly and quite quite suddenly and almost immediately with with, uh, with various responses to the environment. But but the whole point is the body's trying to set itself up so that it can better manage in the future 
based on what's happening to it now. So the epigenetics is a form of memory. It's not memory. And this is where the big mistake is that epigenetics is not memory like, like cognitive memory, or but it's but it is a memory. And the body uh, with the epigenetics, the way I've been looking at it is, is that you may be able to change a neurobiological pathway with reconsolidation pretty quickly, but epigenetic changes need a little bit of convincing. They're, they're, right. they're, they're not so rapid, but they do change and they do have, oh my gosh, my body's looking after me, but now I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. So I'm being looked after and it's becoming dysfunctional. I need to change all the way down to these, these biochemicals. What, what are some of the approaches you take in, in, uh, you know, giving the body this comfort and, and courage and uh, confidence to actually change itself and rearrange itself down to the that molecular level in the gene in the gene. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, I do, and and we see it happen sometimes by accident to people, right? We can see that this is possible, and that's as I said, where the, I think the most powerful part of science today is right there. So it's being consistent. Uh, I mean, I remember the the experiments back in the. Oh, ways back now with the rat pups, where the uh, the rat pups that were with the the the, the protective and and sort of well balanced mother had uh, one particular epigenetic uh, aspect, and the ones with the mother who was uh, not not so good and wasn't feeding had uh, a protective. Uh, it actually made them more nervous and anxious. But if you swap right. them over a not a long period of time, but a little bit of time. The epigenetic, they could see the epigenetic uh, uh, marker drop off and the ones that were nervous became more relaxed. So is is that sort of um, uh, getting people uh, to focus on what's the positive things of the present or, or the protective things of the present? How do you manage to get them to uh, shift from the sorts of uh, anxieties and sort of anxiousness that epigenetics can generate? Sure. So what we do after we look at the biomarkers is then look at those biochemical pathways and see what we need to support to get to the next place that it's failing to do, where it's failing to get to. So that's kind of how we support it. But what it can do to someone's psyche, to their emotional status is complete game changer because all of a sudden it's not doom and gloom. There are ways to change and that's through objective information. It's not subjective. What have, what have you found, Dr. Higgins, in terms of the, the language that we use to, to put the power back into the hands of our clients? Sure. I try to make it as simple as possible so the average person could understand it. And, and even when I talk about a, a SNP, a single nucleotide polymorphism, I say that's the only science that I'm going to use, right? And I'm like, all that means is that there is an error in that coding. And that creates aberrant behavior. What's aberrant behavior? Things like anxiety, depression, addiction, impulse control, risk-taking. So we can, those things people can hold on to and understand. Yeah, what's it, what's it like for a client who, who, who comes, comes in? Are they coming into you uh, largely for a, a, a sort of a psychological or emotional issue? What, uh, what type of, of people are drawn into, uh, to, towards your programs? Anything from anxiety, depression, ADD, ADHD, to addiction being um, all different types of addiction, not just, you know, what we might think of substance use, misuse, 
but those process addictions, gambling, sex, pornography, things like that. So we see an array, but in that whole mental health spectrum. And it's it's really interesting when people first come in and kind of share their story, which is difficult for anybody to do, but then get back that validation of what's happening in their physiology and seeing objective biomarkers. And all of a sudden it's kind of, let's, this is open now, let's talk about this. And the power is in knowing that these things can change. Yes. And how, what are some of the things in the summit that you're, uh, can you, can you remember? I know you do so much, so much work. And, yeah. Um, what are some of the things that, that are, you think are the highlights that are coming up in the summit? Sure. Well, I think first off that we, everybody has genetic weaknesses. We all do in different areas of our, our DNA. So we can identify those. That's the first thing that's really empowering. And then to know that in looking at those biochemical pathways, say where is support needed to optimize whatever that area is for that individual. And then the whole study of epigenetics is just fascinating. And that's where I think the power goes back to the individual. It's no longer a doom and gloom life of, well, this was my mom, this is my dad, this is me, I might as well just forget about it now. No, this is where the hope comes in. This is where the power goes back to the individual. And I think all of that together really, really allows people to understand what's available today in science. Yeah, because because there is some uh, transgenerational uh, epigenetic passage. It's not supposed to. I mean, we we, yep. we know yep. the classic, but but that is also uh, the history. Um, it's a way of us. It's a great way for for the human species to be prepared for. Um, difficult circumstances uh, uh, in the future, but because right. what because there are some. Uh, I mean, I got a few stories, but uh, we're interviewing you. I'd love to. <laughs> I'd love, let's focus on. Let's focus on on what sort of are some of the things you say for people who, like as you say, oh, you know, mum had this and dad had this. Right. That's okay because you can change it. What What are some right. of the problems right. that people that people come across, particularly in addictions and and food sure. issues? Sure. So today had a fascinating conversation with a woman discussing her intergenerational trauma. Um, her mom was one of seven, uh, two girls, five boys, three of the five boys died by suicide. And that that's an incredible intergenerational trauma. So she shared with me some of what she experienced as a child. And I said, you know, that's a thing that really Trauma is more than just a word for us to look at and, and almost admire sometimes. We just talk about it. But we now know that someone's expression of their DNA changes as a result of that. We know that their physiology changes as a result of that. So there again, that should bring the power back to the individual and say they're obviously unfortunate stories. My gosh. And, and, and her walk away was, I wish this was around for my grandmother, for my mom. I said it's around for you. Yeah, yeah, we do. We we do have to. I, I think sometimes come to grips with the fact that uh, that our capacities to 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 help and our capacities to know what can be done to help does change, and it it does get better. I mean, there's things that are happening now. I'm getting old enough to go. Uh, wow, I wish I knew this when when I was a dad. But as a granddad, I, I'm able to um, I'm able to appreciate some of this stuff. Right. So, so where where does the uh, 
do you think we're going? Do you have any sort of predictive aspects or or is it really just that we need to do a lot of work right now? What, what are your thoughts about the, the progress of this? That's a great question. I think wonderful what Weekend University is doing because this is spreading this information, right? And, it, and it's by credible people. So this information becomes public. People share it with other people. That's how we make the changes. And this, I think this momentum has just begun, you know, to where we're gonna wind up. I think it's gonna be a warp speed as we go through this, but the amount that's changed, you know, if we look at the, the human genome being mapped out in 2003, then 2008, we look at the thousand most important genes for diseases and conditions, and then where we are today, but it takes time for people to start to think a new way. And what we're doing here is sharing with people how to think a new way. Yeah, we have a lot of cultural, um, I don't know, just sort of argy-bargy between being in control and being controlled. And I don't want genes telling me I can control myself. And then others saying, no, you're in control of your genes. But, but it's more of an interplay, isn't it? really, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Exactly. It's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both, right? It's like, here's your genes, here's your physiology, but how you play that out in large part depends on your choices you make, what you want to hang on to, what you want to let go of. Yeah. When we, when we were looking at the gut microbiome and the gut brain axis, you know, it's a, it's a similar story. Yeah. Um, and, um, and actually, and the gut uh, microbiome also having an effect um, at the the genetic level as well, um, and so there's just so much interplay um, that we can we can talk about. And I think this is well, this is why Richard and I wrote our book, you know, to so that therapists could have this overview. So when you're taking a, a you know a history, um, there's all of these sort of light bulb moments going on um, when it when you're thinking um, gut microbiome, you know, um, gene expression, you know, all of these things are, are and and not that you're a specialist in any of these areas, but you're aware. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what we're wanting for our therapists to be aware of all of these elements. Right, right. And, and I think that is such a powerful tool in the toolbox of the therapist, because you now have the latest science and at least a, a clinical understanding of telling their client that this can help you. Uh, are you using any biological testing in the work you do, or is it mainly just being able to take things in the framework of histories? Because I know there's a lot of uh, very good assessments you can make, but what what, what do you no, do? No, we're doing labs. Work? We're doing assessments, but we're doing labs. We're doing lab panels to where we look at 85 biomarkers related to mental health and addiction. Yeah. yeah. And that's how then the protocols that we use are created from that, looking at those biochemical pathways. Yeah, really combining that that biological knowledge, that physiological knowledge, that yeah. mental uh, neurobiological knowledge into a same same frame. So, uh, so 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 people need to have a, a little 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 pinprick of uh, to to get out some some material. But there's there's so much information in some of these things. You that I mean that's quite a lot of biomarkers that you're looking at. I, I guess there's probably more, but. Uh, what, what what are a couple of the biomarkers that you're you're looking at? Could you give us a sort of an insight into a couple of those? Sure. Um, one of them, let's say the COMT gene, catecholamine methyltransferase, right? Um, we that's something we look at the GAD one 
where the conversion of glutamic acid, a stimulant neurotransmitter to GABA, a calming neurotransmitter. Then we look at areas of inflammation, what those inflammatory markers do to our neurobiology. We look at the area of autophagy. Are we removing the debris, the dead cells out of our body? We look at toxic detoxification. We look at methylation in in numbers, you know, so it's not one biomarker that we see like on a recreational test, but we're looking at a slew within that area. The, the neurotransmitters, the brain chemicals, and then hormones from stress hormones to the androgens, the sex hormones, and how those interact with each other. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I love it. So there's there's that thing, Matt. Uh, yeah. we're, we're not looking at a correct or an incorrect um, mm -hmm. chemical balance. We're looking at the balance you've got, yeah. which right. is producing right. behaviors and feelings that you don't want, and then finding out ways, oh, here's where we can impact and i uh, just a quick one i know because I, I i thought about it because i'm going to be talking about methyl groups and the the, uh, okay. the mthfr stuff and it all sounds complex but the methyl groups amongst all the things they do which is fabulous but one is is that they help us adjust and manage our histamines so our allergic reactions so if you've got a client who's got an excessive amount of allergic reaction, be it sinusitis or be it skin rashes and things, then there's a little thing that maybe it's something to do with methyl groups. And if you've got the biomarker testing, wow, that informs you. That really gives you, a, the, the therapist, a lot of strength. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And and really allows them to communicate that information with with positivity of what's coming from them. Yeah, I can tell you that that absolutely changed my life when I found out that I had a, a methylation issue, yeah. um, which affected my gut and made me depressed. Yeah. We have um, a, we have the lived experience it, sitting with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, and and, and just very simple interventions like you know, knowing that you know I need activated B, um, and and things like this that were and just the, the knowledge of what's going on because you, you sort of you're in the dark before that, but. But right. knowing, okay, so this is what's going on. There's some simple things that I can do to to help that methylation process um, by sort of jumping ahead of the uh, and using activated, you know, sort of products. And and so this has really changed my life. So this is really important. Absolutely. I mean, just that you look at like the global piece of methylation regulating gene expression. So we could identify everything, but if it's not being regulated with optimum performance by the body, it's just information. Right. It doesn't it doesn't make us any better along the way. And of course, methylation is uh, one of the principal uh, mechanisms in the epigenetic process. Right. We come full circle. So so <laughs> do you do you uh, uh, lifestyle changes and, and things, uh, some of the principal ways in which people can can reinform their body about where they're at and or rebalance themselves in the framework of what they're doing? What do, what do you do there? Sure. Um, example, if someone had a lot of autophagy markers, meaning not getting the debris, the garbage out of the cells, a um, intermittent fasting may be suggested to that individual because after a certain amount of time, that's going to kick in and at a higher performance. So that's really important. And, and sleep, I suppose, uh, looking at sleep patterns there, that's important as well. Yeah, some of the most basic, you know, it's kind of like when you talk about sleep to people are like, I know, I know. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to know if you understand the concept or not. Are you getting sleep, deep sleep? Are you are you recharging your battery every night to start the next day? That's a game changer. If you don't sleep, I mean, people die 
without sleep. That's why it's used in warfare, sleep deprivation. Yeah, I, I've got one of those those nifty watches that uh, that um, my wife gave me as as a nifty watch, but I think it was to make sure I <laughs> I stayed alive. <laughs> but that 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 actually, although it's not an incredibly accurate tool, and I know there are fabulous accurate things that you can do, but it gives me an indication of how much deep and how much light and uh, uh, my breathing patterns too. That that sleep apnea is that. Yeah. Is that impactful uh, uh, on on the problems? Do you come across that a lot? Yes, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you look at someone um, that it has less than optimal serotonin, let's just say, and typically some form of sleep, whether it be too much or too little, is going to be a part of that because downstream of serotonin becomes melatonin. So to get people yeah. to understand that all of these things have a rhyme and a rhythm within your body. And if we're not getting to that point, we've got to figure out why. Absolutely. And, and, um, and that's just one of many um, considerations when we we're, we're talking about sleep, right? Um, yeah. So we won't go into, into all of it, but I, I'm, I'm absolutely looking forward to hearing everything that you have to say at the summit. Um, as we wrap up, are there any sort of, Final words for us? I, I would share that this information is so exciting and hopefully that passion comes across. It's so exciting that it empowers people and lives can be changed for the better. That's what this is all about. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Yeah, Higgins, surely for... that's that's what we do, isn't it, Matt? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, thanks for dropping in, Dr. Higgins. It's been great um, to meet you and uh, to get a little bit of uh, uh, understanding of what you're going to be presenting at the summit. Really looking forward to, to hearing you there. Um, but thank you so much. My pleasure, Matthew, Richard. It's been a very enjoyable time. And for us too. Thank you. Well, that was as exciting as I thought it would be. <laughs> yes. It is difficult. I, I know, Matt. It, it's sort of like when you open to the biology, it's yeah. sort of like the floodgates. And I mean, we spent mm. 20 minutes and, and we covered epigenetics. We covered transgenerational uh, uh, things. We covered uh, gut microbiome you brought in there. We covered yep. methylation. We, the, those sorts of um, areas, it, it does need to slow down and it does need to, to just calm down and work through bit by bit. Uh, yeah. which, of course, we try to do in our book, and Evelyn is obviously trying to do in her work. So I uh, really hope people uh, tune in to her talk, as, uh, amongst all the others. Uh, uh, so uh, check out the website for uh, you know when she's on and, and uh, when to catch up with those things. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll have a links, uh, links to Dr. Higgins uh, website. She's got a few there. So have a look in the show notes. And also, obviously, there's a link there uh, for the summit as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. But thank you, everybody, for dropping in and uh, being with us here at the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. And we'll catch you next time. Bye for now.